There is a Switchfoot song called Redemption, which is pretty rad. Was that the Christian rock band, Switchfoot? Switchfoot are every man's band, including cool. us Christians. Wow, that's awesome. They're a band of the people, and I don't, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I do care what you think. I do. <laughs> I do. Why would I not care what you think? <laughs> Welcome to Good Money, where Mark cares what I think. And we're talking about redemption, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> you called me into this, well, you, you, put a, the, you put a pillowcase over my head, and then you brought me here. And then said, we're talking about redemption. Yeah, but it was a white pillowcase, not a black pillowcase. It still felt like sacrificial lamb. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about redemption because it is Easter season. Happy Easter season, everyone. The biggie. The biggie. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I don't care what they say about Christmas. This is the big kahuna. I had a lot of fun. I did did an Easter egg hunt with Felix. Oh and yeah, he he, he ran around the yard me. and found like five of the eggs, and then got bored. And I'm still <laughs> finding hard-boiled eggs everywhere. Are these good? You still eat them? No, they're <laughs> stinky. <laughs> uh, Mark and I also uh, sacrificed a lamb. We didn't actually sacrifice oh a lamb, goodness, but we slaughtered a lamb we for yeah. for a seder meal. That was beautiful and uh, wonderful. And a shout out to all the local farmers that made it happen. Shout out. I'm sure they watched this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about redemption because the Bible makes a lot about this in relation to debt, which we always think in terms of money. That's right. Yeah, we do. And I was going to open this in one way. And Mark said you shouldn't open it like that, and I can't remember. I think you what should. You should have said. the fundamental. W- w- when a Christian hears about redemption, they think of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I think there's no, there's no, it's just no good trying to come <laughs> at it from the angle of like, well, did you know redemption actually meant this economic blah blah blah? Start with Jesus. Okay. Then go back. Yep. And then go forward and arrive back at Jesus. Lutherans say that Jesus redeemed us. Yes. <laughs> By substitutionary atonement. What is that? It's this idea where the great exchange, as Luther called it, Mm. where Christ's perfection was replaced for our imperfection. Mm. Uh, His holiness for our sin. There was a transfer in what happened. And the tradition leading all up until him claimed that that was wrong. Wow. And that the uh, traditional alternative was not that Christ's sacrifice was efficacious because we were exchanged, but rather because we were brought into him. Okay. We were not the, uh, an, a different entity other than him. The fact in St. Thomas brings, says this in particular, that by way of the Eucharist, by entering into Christ, he became our head, we became his members, so that when he offered the perfect sacrifice to God, we were in him, through him, and converting to be more like him, we're able to make that same sacrifice. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. It's beautiful. It's the best. Yeah, so, so it's almost like you're describing, on the one hand, Christ marrying us. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's like we become one flesh. We become right. a union. Yep. Right. So that 
in offer like so that we can really say that we are offered up in his offering up of himself absolutely no to just make sure that we're avoiding some uh problems with the lutherans i hate problems with the lutherans (laughs) especially at big church yard sales do you try and get something once and they always they just come up and they think because they're i'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, Luther makes the claim, like makes the analogy to us marrying Christ. And yeah, just yeah. as like you get the baggage from your wife when you marry her and she gets your baggage or whatever, then there's kind of this trade. But that presumes that you haven't actually become one. That's the problem with the analogy. It's right to say that you are properly married and, and have become one flesh. But that's the, that's the problem with theirs is that there's not a real uniting. There's still an exchange that happens okay, so, so in the marriage. Okay, so it's still the, uh, like the, the contractual relationship, still but not there. the one flesh relationship is what... And amazingly, he destroyed sacramental marriage too. That cannot have been connected. <laughs> I'm just making things up. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But, but I, that's why the analogy fails for their atonement theory. I see. Yeah. Now it seems that people aren't here to talk about Jesus, <laughs> but the big, the big uh, mammon of iniquity. Yep, mammon of iniquity. Related to this idea that Christ paid our debts. So actually, we'll, let me let me this move is the, slowly. This is the great, let me let me move slowly back into this so that we can go forward. <laughs> Christ didn't pay our debts. That's something, when we hear the term redemption, today we think he did do that. Like we owed 1099 to the father yep. and he, he gave, you know, a full 11 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. Redemption in the ancient world meant the freedom from your debts, mm-hmm. that what you owed were, you no longer owed. Why? Because it was not so much that your master was freeing you, but rather that somebody was taking you from the hand of your master. Israel was redeemed from Egypt, from Babylon, from Assyria. Uh, We were redeemed for God, being clutched out of the hands of the devil. So just to be really clear, you're saying that what redemption originally meant was not the payment of an equivalent sum, like I'm going to pay this debt that you owe, but actually a, what, a freeing from a creditor? Is that right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Now, that doesn't mean that we are... Now, what, what part of our redemption does that relate to? Of our salvation does that relate to? It doesn't relate to us still having to owe God something. Okay. We absolutely do. That's why we had to unite with Christ's sacrifice so that we might make a perfect oblation in and through him. I mean, when you think about a marriage, um, I don't know. I wouldn't presume to know anything about your marriage. <laughs> but from what little I know about my marriage, it certainly doesn't mean that we're not... Uh, involved in, I'm not involved in still owing yeah, my wife and vice versa. Absolutely. And that is so essential. Um, what this part of salvation speaks to is that we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. Mm-hmm. We are no longer under the ownership of the devil, but of God. He defeated the strong man, not by paying him off or anything like that, but by giving away out of, uh, out of our iniquity, 
so that we might make that perfect oblation, so that we might actually be able to fulfill that debt. Mm -hmm. But this is uh, kind of the next part of the whole puzzle piece is what is debt and how can it be repaid? Debt is the feeling... Debt is... Debt's when I owe you. Ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but that is part of a money mechanism. That's what I want to suggest. Okay. I don't think... So we've talked about this before, that money makes two unlike things equal to one another. Mm -hmm. It commensurates what is inherently incommensurable. It makes the dinner table worth $100 and the lawnmower cost $100 and so thereby through the measure of money, they're equal. Mm -hmm. And I think because we get so habituated to money, we just think that debts can be forgiven perfectly. Not, not just reciprocally, but there's a real reimbursement um, that is fundamental to reality. So what's the difference there? I think there's, there's something, and we'll talk about this more, that is appropriate in our response to being given something good. Mm. But that can't be equal. Mm. Reimbursement, the word actually itself just means going again to your purse. I mean, that's like where it is uh, in, in bursa, you know, mm -hmm. from, from Latin. It, that is some, an artificial term. Right, but it I want to be true with money that you could actually have that. Yeah, but I want to make the case more fundamentally that gift is what allows for the entire money system to okay. operate. I want to make the case that debt is not something to be paid back, but rather uh, to uh, to respond to. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I want to ultimately say that the money economy is not separate from the gift economy, but the only reason that the money economy exists because. is because there is a reality of the gift economy. Well, it does, it. It, yeah, it does seem that in our just contemporary speech, a gift mm -hmm. is usually considered as something that's the opposite, as it were, of, of money, in that the gift yeah. is um, puts no obligation on um, on the person that receives the gift, yeah. right? Like you think about a birthday present. Like, <laughs> like if I give you a birthday present, which is the kind of limit to how we kind of think of gifts, you don't owe me anything. That's the whole point. That's why it's a gift. So you might even say, oh, you don't owe me anything. It was a gift, right? You hear that all the time. Yeah. Whereas with money, if you borrow money, you owe something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like, but it, it also seems that when you really think about it, that's not the case at all. Because... When you get a gift, you do feel a debt. You do feel an obligation. At least to write a card. Right. Well, it's an obligation of love. It's like, I want to do something for the one who has done something for me. The difference yeah. is that there's no measure within the gift by which it could be equatable. Like you don't say, yeah. oh, they got me this yellow bike. I must get them the same yellow bike and then we'll be on good terms. <laughs> that would be ridiculous and bad gift giving. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? But good gift giving while not responding right away or anything like that, responds to the debt of love that we feel from receiving good things. Mm -hmm. Wow, this person, this person helped me, helped me with my, build a retaining wall. I'm not saying I'm going to go build them a retaining wall, but I am going to be disposed to give to them. Yeah. And I will, and it'll be different. Maybe it's dinner, you know, maybe it's something completely different. Yeah. I think that it's our conscience speaking to us, calling us to relationship. Wow, yeah. 
Right. No, that's so true, right? Because yeah. because when you get a gift, what you want to acknowledge is that the gift you gave to me, which is good for me, mm-hmm. should be responded to because I am also a good for you. Yeah. But well, let's let's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. And it ultimately ends into like the sharing of life together. Right. Shared being. Um, the life of God, this life of giving and receiving of oneself. Totally. Yeah. That's rad. It's you super know what, rad. Andrew Jones would probably say something like language itself is just like a gift exchange. <laughs> <laughs> he would say something yeah. like that. Right. But I want to prove first that, you know, I think we have it in our mind that debts really can be properly repaid. Okay. And I just want to show how that's insane. Okay, go. Three, two, one. Go. Imagine a child yeah. whipping out his checkbook, writing his parents a note to repay them for raising him. That does sound crazy. It just sounds stupid. I mean, he could, you know, add up all the food that he ate, all the medical bills, all the diapers he ruined, all their, you know, give him an hourly w- wage. I mean, it's just absurd. Right. No, he couldn't do that. It would likewise, I think, be absurd if a husband and wife paid one another for like fixing the sink or cooking dinner or doing laundry. And the reason why it's so absurd is because there is a shared life. Mm. There is this presumption of just what we were discussing, uh, giving and receiving, where, yeah, there's certain occasions in life where a person gets sick or it's so one-sided, but love covers this and that you are lifted up into ultimately a a knowledge that there's a fidelity in the relationship uh, where there is care and giving back and forth. Right. You, you, you have this common good. Yeah. So the, so the, you're one body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so in the case of the child, you might say, well, that seems terribly one-sided, but the, also, the demand on the child is taking care of the parent in their old age. Mm-hmm. And so that's not repaying the gift. It's the reciprocal and proper response to the gift that was given. It's another gift. Right, yeah. yeah. And so when St. Thomas is talking about what actually binds a community together, he says it's this. Men would not live together if they were not giving and receiving. They were not dependent upon one another is a word that he uses as well. Now, this is really interesting because it determines that um, this is the foundation on which a money economy exists. So a money economy can only exist because we already feel and experience the debt of or or the desire to be in relationship to give and to receive and to yeah and to respond reciprocally yeah. to gifts. Interesting. So when I when I owe twenty dollars, the debt, the reality of the debt is my desire for peace and justice and unity mm-hmm. between us. Yeah. So that the relationship is whole. Yeah. Care of. To build up to that even, uh St. Thomas talks about the the place, the time that money developed was not within a tribe, which just anthropologically speaking was right, is right. Um, money's not found in small tribes, but in mercantile exchange, when merchants would go over, find, you know, some dude to trade with, mm-hmm. and they don't have the presumed of a, the presumption of a future relationship that they can base their gift off of. 
Oh, that like a presumption that they'll get a gift in return. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like the friends would, or right, right, you right. know, or the husband and wife. I'll do it would, for him. I'm sure he'll get me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what money did was actually allow to shorten the gap between gifts. Right. So there was would be immediate reciprocity mm-hmm. from one gift to another. Oh wow. Well, if that's true, that that basically says it. It literally relies on the gift. It's, um, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But even if we kind of back that up, well, to move a bit more slowly, St. Thomas says that the perfectly virtuous man will actually give back more than he received. And so in that way, we're actually more tuned to the fact that it is gifts and, and like a holy competition of outdoing one another in love, not as you were bringing up before, like this strange debtor's ethic of, uh, they invited us over to dinner, so now we have to invite them over to dinner, like the right. yellow bike thing, right. you know, where it is. Um, I think that's starting to translate our natural mm. debt inclinations mm-hmm. that yeah. God gifted us to call us in relationship with yeah, one another totally. into some sort of uh, absolute equity that we only learned about or became habituated wow. towards through money. Wow. Yeah, that just seems to be, that seems to be so true because equity actually ruins the gift. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like if you, because it invites comparison, first of all, which hmm. is a cause of envy. So like, I, <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're right. sitting there being yeah, like, all call. right, is this gift more or less? Because like, the whole point of equality means that you then have the mark by which to judge something less than equality and something more than equality. Mm-hmm. And you see this sometimes when the gift is utilized as a weapon. Like, I don't want to be under their, I don't want to be under obligation to them. So we better yeah. give them something back. Yep. You know, yeah, no, it does seem like, like it is our love for each other and our desire for union that creates the possibility of debt, which is then utilized by the money economy. So it's like, because you guys feel this way when, when things are given to you, Mm -hmm. now we can have a system where you do feel the necessity of repayment, but now it's the repayment of equality. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Which is interesting in that repayments of equality don't actually put you into greater relationship um, when you repay them. So the whole point about repaying a debt is that the relationship is then over. Yeah. And, and I think anyone who has student debt knows this, <laughs> that if and when they pay back their student debt, they have not thereby restored the peace and love between them and their creditors. Yeah, this is a great point. It is it is gone. The celebration is that creditor has no more power over me. Yeah. And presumably on the side of the creditor, the celebration is like, wow, they actually gave us some money as opposed yeah. to us just waiting for the government to bail us out, which is probably going to happen. Yeah. Um, but the point is you're celebrating the divorce right there, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you receive the gift, the last thing on anyone's mind when they get the Christmas present from their friend is, is I have given him a present. He has given me a present. We're done. <laughs> it's over. Let's celebrate our divorce. Yeah, peace. Yeah. No, it's precisely, it always leads to greater, to wanting to produce in each other that obligation, to wanting to, wanting to increase our, our unity, our relation, mm-hmm. which seems to me to be what we need to then go back to the question of what Christ's gift of redemption was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what was his gift of redemption? It was not. 
a payment of a debt we owed such that we no longer have anything to do with each other. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> you know, it was, I mean, it was a gift, truly. It had to be. In, the other, in another way of talking about this substitution idea, mm-hmm. God can't reject him, himself. I mean, the eternal law of, of God is his uh, proceeding and begetting you know, of the, of the Son and then the, the Holy Spirit in this movement between the two. Redemption can't be between stopping that love. It's just not possible. And us being brought in in between what Christ's kind of is, is outside shared goodness, that shared life together. It has to be by a forgiving of our past mm-hmm. and our incorporation into a future relationship. To that marriage. Yeah. yeah into that. Which one of the implications of this is that unlike the phenomenon of substitution, we do owe we do have a debt of obligation yes. precisely in being redeemed. Absolutely. Which I would just say in my experience, I'm not saying all Protestants, but in, with many Protestants, it does create a kind of, at least a mystery to them, why they need to be good or do anything, really, after being saved. I've heard from a number of my Protestant friends um, who say, I just wish I had spent a, a few more hours you know, in in fraternities and sorority life, party culture, before I actually had found Jesus. Mm, yeah. And it's like, oh, dude, you missed the point. Mm. Like, this isn't just like, a, you know, a line that you cross. This is a, you know, this is a marriage that you've entered. Mm. And there's something marvelous to be called into, mm-hmm. to live in that, mm-hmm. you know, not just to be kept from other goods. I mean, you, yeah. But you can see how, how with the doctrine of substitution... Um, once the debt is paid and presumably your damaged relation to the father is restored through Mm -hmm. that payment, that it's not clear what you have to do with Jesus Christ besides uh, great gratitude, right? You pay the debt. Whereas when we consider it as the gift of redemption, then we respond by giving gifts to God. Yeah. Knowing full well he doesn't need them. Yeah. Right? But who needs a gift? (laughs) Good money. Thanks for joining us.